Support for Kansas City Today comes from Cleveland University, Kansas City. From its roots as a chiropractic college to new degree programs in health sciences, CUKC is educating healthcare professionals focused on next-level health. Learn more at cleveland.edu impact. Support also comes from Grandma's Catering. One bank teller instead of the usual five. Slow fast food lines. Simply not enough staff. Grandma's Office Catering avoided the mass exodus with the respect, appreciation, better wages, and now health insurance. That's how Grandma continues to wow. Grandma'scatering.com. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia Dean. Today is Tuesday, January 25th. Coming up, how Missouri got rid of a huge waitlist for public defenders and why the state is obligated to provide a criminal defense attorney to anyone who needs it. But first, some headlines. Missouri Attorney General Eric Schmidt has announced he's suing nine school districts in the St. Louis area over their mask orders. That brings his total number of lawsuits against schools for their mask mandates to 45, including many districts in the Kansas City area. In the lawsuits, Schmidt falsely claims that masks don't prevent the spread of COVID-19, and he argues they're harmful to children physically, emotionally, and developmentally. The Missouri Independent reports some school districts argue state law gives them a authority to issue regulations. Meanwhile, COVID deaths across Kansas City continue to rise. The Mid-America Regional Council reported 21 new deaths across the metro last weekend. Dr. Dana Hawkinson of the University of Kansas Health System says there was a rise in deaths at KU over the weekend. We had um, nine inpatient deaths uh, over the weekend and um, overall total of 40 deaths in January. KU reports 16 patients are currently on ventilators. In the past two weeks, 107 people died of COVID in the Kansas City metro. Health officials in Wyandotte County say they're ending contact tracing because they can't keep up with the number of new COVID cases. KCUR's Alex Smith reports. Kansas's COVID case rate is now the eighth highest in the country. On Monday, Wyandotte County officials announced they're following the lead of the state health department in suspending contact tracing. As demand for COVID tests outstrips supply, Wyandotte County is also asking residents to report their at-home test results through a new tool on its website. The county's case rate is slightly below the state average, but hospitalizations are higher than at any previous point in the pandemic. The state health department in Kansas announced this month it would also stop contact tracing. Local activists say the Jackson County Detention Center isn't doing enough to prevent the spread of COVID and isn't being transparent about case numbers among inmates. Operation Liberation protested outside the jail yesterday, demanding better communication about inmate health. Group co-founder Don Oliver Dysart says that 114 inmates who've been potentially exposed to COVID are being kept in precautionary quarantine and not allowed due process. You have folks who are confined right now inside of that facility only because they can't afford to get out. Jackson County Sheriff Daryl Forte says the jail follows CDC guidelines and shares COVID numbers weekly, as well as offering free vaccines and voluntary testing. Forte says 41 inmates and seven staff have tested positive for COVID this week. 
Several groups on the Kansas side of the metro are criticizing a plan that would split up U.S. Representative Sharice David's congressional district. The plan has passed the Kansas Senate and is waiting for a vote from the Kansas House of Representatives. The map would move more than 100,000 Wyandotte County voters out of the district and replace them with voters from mostly Republican counties to the south of the metro area. Liz Meidel says Republicans in the legislature are attempting to weaken the voting power of one of the state's largest minority communities. And perpetuate a system in which the elites disenfranchise voters in ways that, frankly, are not consistent with the Kansas City Metro's values. Republicans say the changes are necessary to equalize the populations of the state's four congressional districts. Democrats contend the map targets Davids for defeat. The plan also moves Lawrence into a district that stretches into far western Kansas. The Asian Lunar New Year starts in a week, and Asian markets in Kansas City are bracing for a rush of shoppers. KCUR's Beck Shackelford Wanganga reports. At the entrance of Pan-Asia Market in Overland Park, large red and gold gift baskets with Chinese desserts sit on display, ready for an influx of holiday shoppers. Nicole Ling is a manager at Pan-Asia Market. Ling said although the store looks very well prepared for the new year, it took a lot of advanced planning because the pandemic has slowed international shipments. Most of our product is from overseas, so most of them we have to order ahead, maybe like two or three months ahead. Ling said despite long wait times for international items, the store is fully stocked for the new year. For KCUR 89.3, I'm Beck Shackelford Wanganga. Missourians charged with a crime but too poor to afford their own lawyers were often put on a waiting list for a public defender. Last year, that list was more than 5,000 people, but now it's down to zero. On KCUR's Up to Date, Steve Kraske spoke to Missouri State Public Defender Director Mary Fox about how the agency eliminated the waiting list in just one year. Let's explain to our listeners what these waiting lists were, Mary, and what purpose did they serve? So a waiting list meant that if you were a person who qualified for public defender services, but there was not an attorney available to take your case, you went on a list authorized by the court where you just waited until an attorney was available. Uh, When the lists were initially begun, you might be out on bond or you might be sitting in a jail. And um, the wait time extended from a few weeks to a few months, in some instances, over a year. What qualifications does a defendant have to meet uh, to to require a a public defender? They have to have an eligible case. So the public defender system, for instance, does not handle municipal ordinance violations. So if you receive a speeding ticket from your local police officer, the public defender system would not handle that if it's not a state charge. We handle misdemeanors if they are probably going to result in confinement upon conviction, felonies, juvenile delinquency cases, and appeals from all of those matters. We also handle cases involving sexually violent predators and some parole revocations. But in addition to it being an eligible case, you have to do two things. One, you have to ask for a public defender and apply, and then you have to be found to be indigent. And indigent is being underneath the federal poverty guidelines. So what happens if a defendant doesn't ask for a public defender and and, and is, in, in fact, indigent? What happens then? Well, the court has a responsibility every time that they meet with the defendant, and the defendant should have regularly scheduled court dates, to ask them whether or not they have counsel and if they are able to obtain counsel. 
on a, a daily basis, we receive notices from the court asking us to provide an application to different persons or people who appear in court on bond are often told to go to their local public defender's office and complete an application. And applications are available on our public website. Hmm. But again, what if someone doesn't apply for one? They can either hire counsel or if they request the ability to proceed pro se by themselves without an attorney, the court has to conduct a hearing to determine if they are capable of doing that. So what happened to people then who were being charged with a crime while they were on the waiting list? They waited. They waited. If they were on bond, they showed up in court by themselves for all of their court dates. If they were incarcerated, they were incarcerated unless the court made a determination to release them from that incarceration. Why would they be incarcerated if they haven't been formal, They haven't been convicted of a crime? Pre-trial incarceration. So a person can be arrested and incarcerated pre-trial, and the court needs to make a determination as to what the uh, conditions of release should be. For many of our clients, if the conditions of release involve any sort of payment of money, they are not capable of posting that because they don't have the money because they're they're indigent. And indigent's just a fancy word for poor. They're poor. So essentially, you could could have been effectively imprisoning somebody for months and months at a time who could ultimately be innocent because of the wait list, right? Well, they were being held pre-trial based upon the charges that were against them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the determination that the case was to be dismissed generally did not occur until after the person had an attorney. Hmm. Okay. So nearly a year ago now, a court ruled against Missouri's waiting list system. What happened there, Mary? So, and I noticed you mentioned up front that the court, um, that, that waiting lists were determined to be unconstitutional. It hasn't really happened. That really has not happened yet. The court issued what it was actually a docket entry that said, if I'm going to enter an order, I anticipate that that order will say that wait lists are unconstitutional. Mm. The court has not yet issued that order. But when the court issued that order, I then went to the legislature and told them, you know, here's what I anticipate is going to happen. Here's what I think we need to be able to avoid this determination that wait lists are unconstitutional and for the courts to step in and start determining how the public defender system would provide representation. So how difficult was it for you to wean that waiting list all the way down to zero then? It was a lot of work. I mean, we did it in several ways. We reallocated the staff that we did have to the areas that were seeing the most number of new cases coming in that needed assistance. We um, received a very generous gift from a donor, Jennifer Bukowski, who was a former public defender, um, who gave us money so that we could decrease the waiting list in Boone County, a $300,000 gift. Wow. We also um, went through and assigned a large number of the cases that were on the waiting list to private attorneys and asked them to assist us uh, for not a lot of pay to get those cases resolved. Help me understand something. You know, this fight uh, that you guys just underwent to get more attorneys into the public defender system, this has been going on for years. In fact, a few years ago, I think your predecessor famously ordered Governor Jay Nixon, who is a lawyer, to take a case as a way to emphasize just how short of attorneys the public defender system was. And I'm wondering why, because right to an attorney is enshrined in the U.S. Constitution. So why is this such a struggle? You know, it's a funding issue. Um, 
back in the 1980s when the public defender system was begun, was started in Missouri, there was funding provided for the number of cases that were coming in at that point. Then we hit the 1990s. And in the 1990s, the attitude towards crime in the prosecution world changed. Uh, case numbers increased significantly and public defender funding did not keep up with that increase. But through the 2000s, those case numbers did not decrease, especially as meth entered Missouri and the uh, cases that are associated with methamphetamines. And then of course we've gone into opioids and the property crimes that are associated with opioid addiction. So case numbers continue to rise and the state funding did not keep up with that rise in the case numbers. And I understand that, that it's a funding issue, but when this is a right that's guaranteed by the Constitution, why is there ever a funding issue? Well, hopefully there won't be. You know, that's our goal. But I I have to say that I don't think we fund our way out of this problem. We have to take a look at why we are charging people with crimes. And is that the solution to the community safety that we're all interested in? We're never going to solve the problem by continuing to add funds to the public defender system. We need to solve the problem by decreasing the number of cases that are issued by prosecutors throughout the state. What, what kinds of cases do you have questions about as you look over the range of defendants who are coming into your system every day? You know, the, the cases that concern me the most are those that are purely crimes of poverty or crimes of mental health or crimes of addiction. I think in 30, 40 years, we're going to look back at what we've done in terms of people who are addicted to drugs or to alcohol and ask ourselves why we treated this as a criminal problem as opposed to a health problem. If we would increase the amount of community services available to folks who become our clients, then we could keep them from becoming our clients. That was KCUR's Steve Kraske and Missouri State Public Defender Director Mary Fox. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia-Dean. This podcast is produced by Byron Love and Trevor Grandin and edited by Lisa Rodriguez and Gabe Rosenberg. For more local news stories from Kansas City's NPR station, visit kcur.org, where you can also hear our live stream. If you like our show, we want to hear from you. Leave us a voicemail at 816-235-8930 with your thoughts. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you soon. Mm -hmm.